Amen. Let us pray. Come, Holy Spirit, and fill the hearts of your faithful and kindle within us the fire of your love. And may my words and our hearts together glorify you, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, I want to tell you a little secret about uh, preparing a sermon, uh, and that is that you choose your title long before you get to writing the sermon. So if I had been careful in my reading of the scriptures that we heard today, I would have entitled my sermon Rivers and Blessings because clearly Naaman goes down to the River Jordan and that is where he receives the blessing of healing. But I had already picked lakes. Lakes and blessings. So strike through that and put rivers where that lake is. Okay, kind of like when we go on our church retreat. We say church retreat, strike through retreat, beach trip, right? Okay, so uh, I just wanted to clear that up before I launched into this. I have so much to tell you. Uh, because, and, and you can tell because this is a very long story. We had to divide it up, or I was afraid people would fall asleep while the scripture was being read. You know how it is. But anyway... Uh, <clears throat> You know, I don't need to tell you that many of our schools have already started the new year and even colleges and universities are starting a new semester soon. Uh, and if you haven't noticed already, you need to pay attention because the school zones are working. And you sure don't want to get pulled over in a 20 mile per hour school zone because the fine is bad, bad, bad. So keep, keep your eyes peeled. Well, um, and so when I think about school already starting, perhaps instead of talking about summer endings, I should be preaching about summer beginnings. Regardless, what we can say is that this is a time of transition for all of us. As, the, as we get to the end of August and summer begins to end, as we move toward Labor Day, which is the official start of the fall, no matter how hot it is, uh, you know, still maybe stirring in you one last time to be apart from the daily stresses of life. Uh, and you may find that kind of reflection of one last time, you know, one last hurrah before Labor Day uh, may feel very appealing to you. Um, and so... And for some of us, you know, that have already started school and stuff, the, I, the going away isn't possible. It's just not possible, and maybe it hadn't been possible for you all summer. <laughs> but um, I want you to hear what uh, Melissa Kirch, who writes for the New York Times, had to say about reconsidering the staycation. She writes, I've always been st skeptical about the staycation. The coinage is too cute for what feels like a consolation prize. So I was intrigued to discover that I had been staycationing all wrong. Evidently, my tendency to stumble into time off without a plan is unlikely to produce a restorative effect. And you might imagine that I have a suggestion for all of that. Find a body of water, a lake, an ocean, a river, a stream, or fountain, a swimming pool, even if it's the blow-up kind. <laughs> Find the wonder of water. At the entrance to our neighborhood, 
to the north and sister neighborhood to the south, we have what we fondly call the Twin Lakes. And on days when I'm stressed out of my mind or in a hurry to get home, I forget about those lakes, but often, especially as the seasons change, I stop and sit for a while and let the peacefulness of that water center me. The beauty of the trees and plants, and of course, there are the birds, especially the ducks. We have mallard ducks throughout the year, but we have these beautiful little lesser scalps, is what they're called, that their bills are a little bit blue looking, and they are beautiful, and they're tiny little ducks, tiny. And so I just love looking at them and watching them. Now, the Bible is full of stories about water. You know that, don't you? The opening words of Scripture when, that say from Genesis, when God began to create the heavens and the earth, a wind from God swept over the face of the waters. And of course, there's all kind of stories with Elijah and Elisha, like the one we hear today, and Noah and the great flood, and so many stories of water. And I guess that makes sense when we consider the culture in which the people of Israel were living, an arid culture for the most part, that water is so important. And, and then we hear in the New Testament, in the opening chapter of Mark, in those days Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. There's that Jordan River again. And just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens torn apart and the Spirit descending like a dove upon him. And a voice came from heaven and said, You are my child, the beloved. With you I am well pleased. The story of baptism then becomes central to everything we understand about who we are and our relationship with God who all people are, and our relationship with God. And today's story, The Healing of Naaman, is among my favorites for lots of reasons. According to 2 Kings, um, in the first verse of chapter 5, it says Naaman was a valiant soldier, but he had leprosy. Maybe you've seen that meme He's a 10, but, you know, like, so here is this general who is highly revered in his country, Aram, which from where we get Aramaic, and uh, he's highly, highly revered, and he's wealthy beyond measure. Gold and silver and ten sets of clothes. Girl, I'm going to tell you what. Who? I mean, who are the people that go with the ten sets of clothes? We know, don't we? I mean, you know, sometimes you got to pack a lot. Anyway, um, so here is Naaman, who is this figure. And, uh, and so what we learn is that Naaman comes from a culture that captured foreigners and conscripted them. In other words, the scripture in the English translation says servant, but they're slaves. They're slaves. 
one of his captured servants was a young girl who attended to his wife, Naaman's wife, and just mentioned to her that the prophet Elisha could probably see to the healing of Naaman's leprosy. Well, Naaman took her up on her suggestion, sought out Elisha, begrudgingly, I might add, complied with Elisha's instructions via Elisha's own slave, and was healed by bathing in the Jordan River. Interesting, isn't it, that Elisha sends him to bathe in the Jordan, and that's exactly where Jesus met John the Baptist. But Naaman's issue is not just leprosy. Naaman is proud, very, very proud, and has a clear self-interest here. He is seeking to be healed because leprosy is an awful, awful illness of that period. It still is an awful illness. But what it caused in most of the cultures of the time was that that leprosy would cause him to be removed from his culture, from his community. He wouldn't anymore belong. Can you imagine for this great general that he would be removed? And that is the case with people who developed leprosy. And, and yet he is still proud and he has this self-interest in being healed because it threatens his career, his place in the community, and his very life, because you can die from that. And Naaman craves respect almost more than he wants to be healed. He's that proud. And he is so sure he knows what he needs, he almost refuses what God wants to give. I don't know anybody like that. Do you? So our challenges for today are clear. We know Naaman. We are Naaman. We know all the irritating and endearing, weak and tenacious behaviors in this story. Big ideas, bad tempers, taking offense, throwing tantrums, pleading and cajoling, seeing reason, changing our minds, eating crow. We know all that. We've experienced it all, haven't we? And we've all begged for blessings in the midst of all of that, right? Of course, all of this is made worse by the challenges of sometimes our life at home. Let's think back to Melissa Kirch's insights on the staycation. Staycationing at home is good, but home can also be hard, can't it? A closet that has become a black hole. You know any of those? A garage full of so much stuff that you can't park your car in it? It would seem everything we buy makes everything we own less valuable. It's not the stuff itself because, after all, having enough stuff is a privilege. But the complications that accompany the stuff is an issue. You know, uh, at home, we ask ourselves questions, right? We ask ourselves questions. Why do we always eat the same thing for dinner or order from the same place? DoorDash. 
why don't we have the same curiosity of our own community and town where we live as we did about the towns where we have visited? Why are we hanging on to the cords and cables of every single electronic device that we have ever owned? <laughs> now, I know you're laughing because you've done it, right? <laughs> they're good questions, but there's something more that are challenges born from just being alive in this time and from just living within this culture. You know it. Climate change, wars and rumors of war, hate that turns to violence. George Barna is the founder of the Barna Group, a marketing research firm specializing in studying the religious beliefs and behavior of Americans and the intersection of faith and culture. They have recently done a study, a survey, studying the effects of COVID on people, faith, and churches. And here are the top seven issues that people talked about that they are experiencing today. And particularly, these seven issues are being reflected in Gen X and all the subsequent generations. It's not that boomers don't experience it, but the Gen X, you know, millennials don't experience it, but the Gen X and younger, they found it very prevalent. The top seven issues, loneliness, loss, anxiety, depression, sadness, lack of connection, lack of relationships. So I want to tell you something as a church, we need to pay attention to this. And it's not so that we can invite people to church. That's not the deal, folks. The deal is to meet people in this struggle, in these struggles, to meet them and let people know that there are people, people of faith and maybe people struggling with their own faith, but people who want to listen, who want to hear their loneliness, their loss, their struggles. And you know what? If that's the case in this survey, then we can bet that we're among people right now, right here in this space and online, who are deeply struggling. And we need to be present for them. In a way, you know, uh, caring and noticing and listening. And, you know, it's not a lot of work. It's just being present and making sure they get connected in ways that will help them, whether with professionals or with us. Belonging, having a sense of belonging and making relationships and those kinds of things. This is what we are called to do in this generation at this time. But I want to tell you the grace in the story of Naaman. He's healed. But we miss the grace of the story if we miss the girl. She's a slave. She's a captive from Israel. And yet, she hears of Naaman's leprosy 
and has compassion for him who is her captor and acts on that compassion. She doesn't have any reason to care a whit about him. But she acts on that compassion. Why? Because her faith compels her to. Her faith compels her to love and show compassion. So she dares, she does a dangerous thing. She dares to actually speak to her mistress. And so begins with her word, the healing of Naaman. And watch carefully because God is with Naaman but doesn't intervene with a lightning bolt. Yes, certainly a miracle occurs. He goes and bathes into Jordan and he is healed for whatever reason. Something physical, scientific, or miraculous. We don't know. But he is healed. But it wasn't just the spectacular lightning bolt. It was, which is what he would have probably preferred as a proud man with an agenda. But that's not what happened. Elijah does not call God down from heaven to heal Naaman. It is through the voices of two slaves that Naaman goes to the river and bathes. The, most le the least likely people on the planet that they, give, they speak, they give him the voice of, you know, they share the voice of God with him. And if there's a tiny spot in your life that's become complicated, that is causing an ache and a heartache within you, it turns out you can alter that. It's not easy. Change is not easy. Um, but if you can make a place for yourself beside the water, you can find some healing there. You know, God outweights you in your weakness, and that is where your healing begins. God watches and waits. And our healing will give us the strength to be a part of the healing for other with the others with our words. Years ago, I stumbled across a book called Messages from Water. It was written by Masaru Emoto. It turns out Emoto had done experiments involved in exposing glasses of water to various words, then freezing the water and examining the frozen crystals under a microscope. Emoto claims that positive words and emotions and positive prayer directed at the water produced beautiful crystals, while negative words and emotions and such as, you know, produced ugly crystals. Emoto is not a scientist, and his studies have never been replicated in a controlled experiment. But consider this. 75% of our bodies are made of water, <laughs> as are all biological crea uh, creation. In our new church, at the service of baptism, we pray these words. We thank you, O God, for the gift of water. Although it is a common and ordinary thing, without it, all life would perish. So we now offer it back to you and ask that by your presence, you will sanctify this water as a sign of your great covenant of love with us. Can you imagine 
what happens in that moment when we baptize people with those words, those holy words. Now, I want to tell you something. Despite the many discoveries and inventions in science and medicine, we have nothing, nothing that can measure the amount of pain a person suffers caused by someone's inappropriate words directed at them. But the words of a little girl changed a life. And your words can do the same. Now, when, when we don't understand why things happen the way they happen, which is all the time, um, and something happens that startles us, we, we often call it magic. But maybe instead we should call it mystery. That we can't grasp it fully. We can't hold on to it completely. But there can be within that mystery the presence of a loving God offering words of healing. You are my beloved with whom I am well pleased. This is the promise of God. And we hear in the story of Naaman and this little girl, who, by the way, goes unnamed, a story of a changed life by her words. Well, so as the summer draws to an end, I just want to invite you I just want to appeal to you to pause alongside a body of water, a lake or an ocean, a river or stream, or even just dip yourself seven times in a swimming pool. Or just put your feet in the water. Or blow up a plastic swimming pool and get in it. Because within that water is mystery that is transformative. Amen? Amen. Amen.